Hey, 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 welcome to the Pastor Duke Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning me in. I pray that God will use me to be a blessing to you, to enlighten you, to inform you, to protect you, and maybe even to challenge you a little bit as we seek to bring God glory in these last days. Well, as you know, we have seen, especially in this past year, a real falling away. Many Christian so-called leaders have fallen. I title my thoughts today, Why Do the Mighty Fall? And probably they're not as mighty as they might have wanted you to think that they are. Here we begin with Jesus talking about this topic. Matthew 23, 11, the 12 disciples are greatly embarrassed as Jesus has overheard their conversation where they were arguing among themselves who was the greatest among them. They quickly wished they'd kept their big mouths shut. <laughs> Jesus chose not even to engage the conversation at that level, but what Jesus did answered their arrogance and stupidity in a profound and unforgettable way. He said, quote, let he that be great among you be a servant. God doesn't measure greatness by our intelligence or giftedness or material possessions or the status that we may be able to attain among other men. A lot of that might just make God sick, to be honest with you. As the heavens are high above the earth, so are God's ways above our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts, Isaiah 55, 11. Throughout the ages, the depraved nature of fallen man loves to be the greatest, the biggest, the first, the best. Our depravity loves to be seen as somebody special, loves to be in control, loves to rule over others, loves to get their own way, loves to receive the praise of other men, which is the fundamental reason why the mighty fall. Scripture is full of warnings here. He that exalteth himself shall be abased. We learn from James, he that humbled himself shall be exalted. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We would expect all of the self-promotion and glory seeking to be standard practice in the world, and it is. But Jesus said, it shall not be so among my people. God measures greatness by faithfulness and by servanthood. The greatest giver of the New Testament was a widow with only two mites. In reality, she simply gave it all. And that's what is great in the eyes of God when we give Jesus our whole life and being. But what do we see even in the Christian world? Uh, the very same thing. We've seen the rise of Christian celebrities this past 50 years especially. Now that's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? Christian celebrity. But it's really not new. In the third epistle of John, we meet up with the likes of Diotrephes, who loved to have the preeminence among them. He, he didn't care much for the Apostle Paul, and he was strongly rebuked by John in a direct letter from God to warn the churches of that 
self-seeking glory, celebrity status that people long to get, even in the churches. Alongside of the celebrity-seeking pastors and singers, we have the carnal, celebrity-loving Christian populace. It's not just the seekers. It's the congregations that want to turn them into celebrities. First Corinthians, the most carnal and weak of all the churches written to by Paul. They were bragging among themselves who their favorite preachers were. I'm of Cephas. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. And make trying to make them into some kind of Christian rock stars. Paul rebuked them and would have none of that carnal nonsense. He said unto them, We are nothing more than God's ambassadors through whom ye have believed. All glory to God, not to man. But not so today. Even in conservative, evangelical, even fundamental circles, we have the superstars that seem to emerge uh, from decade to decade. You know, back in my days of training, it all made me nervous when I kind of saw uh, some of those uh, leaders being paraded before me in the day. Many of them, most of them were really good people, and God used them to encourage and strengthen and intensify my vision. But it does open the door when people love to be seen of men. It does open the door for demonic deceptions and great damage to Christ's church. I remember those days of training back in the 70s and those men that were paraded before me, uh, the super pastors, uh, uh, and the term megachurch was coined back in my day. So many aspiring young pastors... uh, (coughs) maybe even including me, began to aspire to be mega church pastors and build bigger, better, more. We kind of sought that status rather than holiness, doctrinal purity, faithfulness. Methodology became as important as Bible doctrine. Matter of fact, a lot more attention was given to methodology than Bible doctrine in a lot of churches that begin to perhaps drift away from the moorings of doctrine for the New Testament church, which the Lord said it should be the pillar and ground of truth. The little idea, the ends justify the means, became practice even in some churches. New phraseology emerged, choose who you lose. Oh, I hate that phrase. Uh, Media-driven church, I I hate that. I like gospel-driven churches. Seeker-friendly church, and there's certainly uh, some things about that movement that were, were good and helpful. But when it departs basic Bible doctrine, when you remove the blood from your songs, when you begin to take away major doctrines of the Bible, just don't bring them up because they're not popular. Satan is using a movement to weaken the church. Certain words became buzzwords, vision. And I know we're thought that there was no vision to people perish. I know that, but vision just became too much. Uh, the word leaders, leaders, leaders. Uh, what about bishops, elders, pastors? Uh, leaders became the c- contemporary word culture, church culture. All of uh, which are good historical biblical words, but they were being taken on a whole new prominence a whole new meaning. Historic words were being replaced. 
not evil in itself, but a clear departure from how things were to something new. Our youth ministries became student ministries, and it's benign, uh, but it was a change. Our missionaries became gospel partners. Again, benign, just another way to say the same thing but just a departure from how things were to how things would be. Our worship centers became more like theaters, and I'm in churches where even our church is, is, has a theatric thing, so I'm not against that at all, but it was a change. Music went up to 95 decibels, and I don't think it's going to be 95 decibels in heaven. We'll wait and see. Fog machines and special effects lighting became a wave. Dress standards were gone. And I had come out of legalism where I think dress standards were out of balance and all that. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm just saying, ah, things are changing. We now had the really super cool churches versus, you know, the traditional churches. New terms arose, traditional worship, contemporary worship. In my 12 years on the road preaching in uh, all kinds of churches, I see God's hand moving powerfully in all these kind of churches, how they do it. It's not in the lights. It's not in the sound or the theatrical presentation. It is the moving of the Holy Spirit of God as the hearts of God's people are responding to solid biblical preaching. I see that in all type of church cultures. That's what we seek. But those who thought church culture would build a church, they found out they were wrong. It could draw a crowd, but not necessarily build a congregation. Congregation. A book called Jesus Was a CEO made me furious, <laughs> made me want to vomit. No, Jesus was not cool. He is holy. He is not a CEO. He's a savior of the world, head of the church, and coming again. Thank you. I'm a little fired up today. Can you tell? So, back to the big shot celebrities from my early life. Hopefully you won't even know most of these names. Peter S. Ruckman, multiple divorces and remarriages along with making it acceptable to cuss in the pulpit. <laughs> Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, uh, Peter. Jack Hiles, blatant adulterer and his son, a serial pedophile. Bill Gothard, Serial pedophile, all the while he taught huge conferences on family issues across the country, drawing thousands of pastors, including me, for a few years till I begin to see something is wrong here. Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, adultery, gross financial fraud. Famous Pentecostal evangelist Jimmy Swaggart, adultery. Benny Hinn, financial fraud. The list could go much longer, but you get the point. So many who reach this so-called Christian celebrity status were not at all practicing what they preached. Most fell into sexual or financial sin. Praise God for the Billy Grahams and the Jerry Falwells who lived and died clean. There are those among us who do truly follow Christ. Thank God for them. Let's be on that list when we stand before the Lord. Well, that was then and this is now. The past two, three years, we've seen the fall of so many prominent evangelical leaders. I've coined the phrase many years ago, so it fits here. I'll use it. Many of you have heard me say this a lot over the years. Don't let people mess you up about God. Let God straighten you out about people, even so-called Christian leaders. So many of the leaders clearly sought Christian celebrity status. They got it, 
and often made fools of themselves and hurt the precious cause of Christ. I was admonished as a young preacher. I love this. If any man seek after greatness, let him forget greatness and seek after truth, and he shall find both. I knew a church planter oh so well who had other churches promote his church plant, sacrificed for him, supported him financially, gave him big groups of people from their church. He began with 400-plus tithing people in attendance. Wow, what a, a way to start a church. I had nobody. It took us It took us uh, four years to get 100, and we they were almost all new converts into our church. We didn't have any churches giving us people who tied to start our church. By year two, they were running 1,800 people. He put on the webpage that he envisioned himself down the road 10 years from now said, quote, I will be traveling the world. I will be writing books. I will be teaching the next generation on how to build mega churches. When I read that, I felt ice water go through my veins. When someone is seeking Christian celebrity status, not good. That, my friends, is not a pure gospel motive. It is a celebrity-seeking spirit. 18 years later, his crowd has dwindled to under 700. They are buried in millions of dollars of debt. He's gone through staff people like water who quickly leave and try not to hate him. He travels not the world, written no books, and teaches no one to do and to build anything. He has no preacher friends. He has no relations with those who attend his weekend service. He hides out in his green room before and after service so he doesn't have to connect with people. He simply goes in, does his performance, and calls it church. How sad. All the vision-casting, culture-tweaking, media-savvy has failed. The community disdains him, and he is now reaping what he has sown. All across the country, back in the 90s and early 2000s, the super cool church movement arose and gathered many disgruntled professing Christians to jump aboard. Today, so many of them have seen moral and financial failures among their leadership teams. I'm listening to the podcast series called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And their flamboyant leader, Mark Driscoll, it's so sad, yet excellent series, and gets to the biblical reasons why the mighty fall. It covers so many of the sad crashes of Christian celebrities this past couple years from Hillsong Sin, Bill Hybels, uh, Robbie Zacharias. It all breaks my heart because I love these guys. And yet as they kind of rose up, people just seem to have a hard time handling success. And it so saddens me and it angers me as a bit, which you're probably picking up. I hope it's righteous anger. It's okay to be angry, just sin not. And it is not a sin to expose the sins of others, especially those who aspire to Christian celebrity status. Uh, 
I spent 25 years as a trustee at Boston Baptist College. During those wonderful years of pouring myself into young Christian leaders, I felt the need to stay abreast of the changing Christian culture and rising personalities. I read all the Vogue books by church growth gurus. I saw in all of them a couple common denominators, which I didn't feel real comfortable with. Number one, they all condemned Christ's church for being ineffective and living in the past. Partly true, for sure. And I saw another common denominator to be a superstar, to rise up above it and be somebody. Isn't that interesting? A little leaveneth, leaveneth the whole lump. I remember learning as a child, those who are always putting down others, which they were putting down the church of Christ, and are vainly trying to lift themselves up. And if that was their spirit, they are heading for a fall. I read Velvet Elvis by Rob Bell, The New Kind of Christian by McLaren, Blue Like Jazz by Don Miller. All of them found only evil in Christ's church and the need for major shifts in evangelicalism. I didn't buy into it, but many younger preachers were enamored by them and ultimately shaken in their faith's foundation. There was a common denominator of aversion to the topics of hell, judgment, repentance, and consequences to sin in the pulpit ministry. Rob Bell used a lot of ancient Jewish culture and customs, which I find extremely interesting, to attack historical Christian orthodoxy. We got it all wrong on repentance. We got it all wrong on hell. He used intellectualism and intimidation tactics, talking down an uninformed audience in time, talking many of them right out of their faith's foundation. Soon he too would follow today. He no longer even identifies himself as a Christian. The neo-orthodoxy they were pushing was only a rehash of the early 20th century liberalism that I studied back in my Bible college days constantly questioning the absolute authority of the word of God and embracing emergent interpretations of scripture as the new theological bedrock. In other words, the Bible doesn't really say what it means and it doesn't really mean what it says. We are the authorities over what the scriptures say. Now follow us and don't put up with all that ancient stuff about repentance and sin and consequences and hell and judgment. Well, Satan has always been subtle in casting doubt upon the word of God. So at first in Genesis 3, the whole wave of neo-orthodoxy was just a repeat of what the devil did a hundred years ago with the German rationalism that hit. That movement eroded away most of the mainline denominations, uh, including much of Methodism, Lutheranism, and even part of Presbyterianism. They fell to that attack. Many of their younger ministers bought in, and we had the birth of modern liberalism, which is a clear departure from the faith of Jesus. 
The next theological wave hitting the evangelical shores is a neo-reformed movement, a new wave of Calvinism. It's almost like a pendulum swing from the super cool mega church, media-driven church movements and all of their failures and fallen heroes are trying to theologically explain all of, excuse me, all of the crap that hit those movements. It's always simpler to me than some kind of theological pendulum swing of neo-Calvinism. To me, it's just plain sin on the part of these fallen people. It was arrogance. It was neglect of basic Christian uh, character and basic Christian doctrine. Longing for celebrity status and marketing the gospel for personal gain. That explains it all to me, a wrong spirit from the beginning. Another fundamental departure of biblical protocol is the skirting around personal accountability. The old phrase, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts, absolutely it fits here. I remember asking a Christian celebrity wannabe church planter who was constantly posting and proclaiming, quote, we are the fastest growing church in New York. We are the 10th in the top 10 fastest growing churches in the nation. I asked that pastor, quote, who are your elders? Who are you accountable to? His answer, quote, none of your business. I replied, you have set up a non-biblical system where you are accountable to no one. He called these no-name leaders, <laughs> his trustees, his elders, who aren't even local. He called them elders. Uh, they were unknown to to the congregation or even to his staff. They were in different parts of the country, but their names were in the right places on the legal documents to make him legal uh, when it comes to the letter of the law on taxes and things like that. But uh, one day he'll stand before God. He smiled at me and he said, just trust me. I smiled back and said, I do not trust you in any way, shape, or form. Celebrity-seeking ministers find clever ways to circumvent biblical accountability, clever ways to explain the church, their church structures and finances, all the while leaving their constituents in the dark. From there, they use intimidation tactics to silence even any questions. People who ask legitimate questions are first ignored, and if they persist, they are told they are no longer welcome here. They are uh, subtly bullied uh, from the pulpit that any questioning of leadership is an abomination. It's sowing discord among the brethren. It's lifting your hands against God's anointed. It will not be tolerated here. I found a, a minor point here, but I do find it interesting that some of these fallen celebrities had pictures of themselves, framed pictures of themselves hanging in all the classrooms of their buildings and even sent framed pictures of themselves to be hung in the homes of their constituents, their, their church members, to have pictures of them on their wall in their house. Man, looks like narcissism came to church leadership. It makes God sick and gives 
credence to the world to mock this kind of Christianity. And I would remind those mockers, mock on, but it's an, I want them to know it's a non-biblical Christianity that they criticize. True Christian leaders seek accountability. True Christian leaders seek obscurity in reference to the limelight. They they want to kind of do quietly in the background. They do not seek the praise of men. True Christian leaders seek out and submit to accountability. True godliness will never promote self or personal accomplishments. It will leave that for others to speak of their good and report it. Scriptures admonish all of us to give credit to whom credit is due, give honor to whom honor is due. But when people are seeking to be seen, seeking to be praised, self-proclaiming their being God's gift to the church, beware. It's at best the depravity of man or even worse, satanic lifting up of a celebrity wannabe, Satan empowering them, getting him lots of Christian attention, well-known in the area, and then crash, financial corruption or moral failure, and often both. So what do we take from all of this? Try to get some good. I'm sorry for being a dookie downer today, but man, this is in our face, and we must have a biblical response to this. We can't pretend it's not happening. So what do we do? What do we take from all this? Number one, don't seek your own glory. I think the Holy Spirit makes that pretty clear. Number two, mark those which cause uh, offenses among you, mark those who are celebrity seekers and avoid them. Number three, hold leaders accountable. It's for their own ultimate good and Christ's glory. I'm not saying to attack leaders in any way. I'm saying it's good to ask legitimate questions and go to the right authorities when you do so. A legitimate question deserves a legitimate response. I've had people asked hard questions to me through the years, and I'm so glad they did. I was able to give them the right answers because I had found out Satan had been playing with their minds. The Bible says our imaginations are evil continually, and they were thinking the worst, and they came to the right authority. They came with the right spirit. They got the true answer, and it relieved them. I've had so many of those people come to me and say, Pastor Duke, I was afraid to come to you, but I'm so glad I did. And We, we had open book policy. We don't show who gives what around here. That's that that's private, but you know, let not your right hand know what your left hand does. We keep that private, but we let them see the, the finances of the church. Of course we do. We put the budget out for them to see every year. There's nothing hidden here. And yet a lot of these places today just kind of sneak it in and don't ask any questions. So ask the right questions to the right authorities in the Mars Hill debacle. And all through the series I'm listening to, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, it's on this point where the second-tier leadership messed up. They were often intimidated. They didn't want to lose their jobs. They didn't want to lose their standing in the congregation on the staff. Didn't want to go toe-to-toe with the man on top. They just learned to live with it, just stuffed it, and hoped for the best. They fell into line, and they waited until everything hit the fan. And it always does in time. The wheels of God's justice don't move as fast as oftentimes we'd like them to move, but they surely do move. Scripture puts it this way, be sure your sin will find you out.
And I hate hitting topics like this, but ungodliness and heresy must be uncovered and confronted. Nathan confronted King David. John the Baptist confronted King Herod uh, on his sin issue. Elijah confronted uh, King Ahab and Jezebel, as did almost all of the prophets confront those who were at the top of the Jewish religious system. That's what prophets do. That's part of what pastors are supposed to do. The little Casper Melk and don't mention anything negative and just get away from all the Bible things that are controversial today. Let's just give them a Jesus and let's just give them cotton-coated candy. Oh, come on, man. It's the last days. And the Bible says judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. And I think that's what's happening. I think judgment is beginning to hit. God's exposing all of this junk. True leaders are sacrifices for the provision and protection of their flocks. Let me say that again. True leaders are sacrificers. Let he that be greatest among you be a servant. True leaders are sacrificers for the provision and protection of our flocks. When I see a fake self-promoting pastor fleecing his sheep, I want to take him out behind the chicken house and whoop him but I probably uh, ought not to do so. But that's what I feel like doing, and by God's grace so far, I haven't whooped anybody. So not everything glittering in so-called Christian ministry is gold. Be sober, be vigilant, be prayerful, be biblical. Ask questions, be not deceived. Be careful not to support Christian celebrity wannabeism. I think I just made up a new word there, wannabeism. Thank God for the humble, greatly gifted speakers and singers that God has blessed his church with, even in our day. But watch closely, ask questions, follow the money. It will reveal a lot, and it will protect you from falling prey to religious hucksters, the religious scammers. They will soon give account to the great God of heaven who knows it all. A sad podcast to have to put together. But man, those of you who tune me in, I'm not going to avoid any biblical topics. And um, we need to learn from it. We need to pray for our pastors, our elders, our deacons, our leaders, our Sunday school teachers. And just that spirit of self-promotion, it's not from God. But on the positive side, as I travel around the country, I'm in churches with godly pastors and wives wonderful families, sacrificing greatly to be a gospel light shining in their community. And um, I would venture to say from my experience for every one of these hucksters that, that get in the limelight and go down by fly, like flies, I bet you I could name a hundred good guys for every one of the bad guys. And that, my friends, is the good news. God has his servants. He's raised them up. He's got his hand on them. People love Jesus. Let's just be one of those guys. Let's want to be with those people who just are biblical. We're not trying to be cool. Uh, We just want to lift up the name of Jesus. We want to love one another fervently. So hopefully this was informative. Wasn't a lot of fun for me to do this, but I pray it'll help you. Hope it'll protect you. And let's, uh, let's have our part to be a bright and shining light in the darkness. Hey, I love you. Bye bye for now. See you next time.